It's a few days after FC Cincinnati's fifth loss in a row, this time to the San Jose Earthquakes. It's also the fifth game in a row without scoring a goal. Head coach Alan Koch's cell phone starts to buzz. It's FC Cincinnati president and GM Jeff Birding. Koch takes a swig of his Diet Coke and answers the phone. Now Alan might be thinking Birding has some good news for him. Maybe they're adding some more talent to the team. Something he started publicly pining for. Or maybe he thinks it's a pep talk telling him to just trust the process and to keep on pushing. But it was neither. Jeff was calling to tell him one thing. You're fired. Barely over two months into FC Cincinnati's first MLS season, their coach was gone and their season was on the brink. How did it get to that point? And what came after? Well, that's a story that needs to be told. And we're going to. Knifey Lion Radio presents... FC Cincinnati, the autopsy. 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 Now it's Hill the volley! Oh, that's an absolutely incredible first goal in Cincinnati's MLS history. Oh, the crew's back in! 2-0 Cincinnati! Flying forward, Vela keeps it. Vela! As you said, this news breaking in just the last hour. Alan Koch officially out as head coach after three seasons for Evan. Here's Mason Toy, and there is goal number seven from number seven, Kevin Molina. He has three assists, and here's a shot, and there's the goal, it's number five. That's get through past Granali. This is Latesco! Hey, FCC fans, you could show your pride in a whole new way with the new FCC Visa debit card from First Financial Bank. Bank. First Financial is the exclusive banking partner of FCC, and they're just as committed to this club as you and I are. Not only does the card look awesome, but it also gets you discounts on FCC tickets and merch. Find out how to get yours and to see the account terms and conditions at bankatfirst.com slash FC Cincinnati First Financial Bank member FDIC. The build-up to FCC's inaugural season was noticeably lacking in splashy signings. But there were enough unknowns for fans to talk themselves into it. I talked with noted expert Kevin Wallace, host of What's This Soccer Thing in Kevin's MLS Minute, about the way our roster was assembled in the lead-up to the opening game. This is the prelude Prelude to a tragedy. tragedy. Kevin, the USL season ends. We have two MLS players, Fatia Lache and Fernando Adi, already with the team. We announced Alan Koch's return. Clearly, we aren't going to break the bank. But what were your expectations at that point before we make any signings? I was really hoping that Alan Koch was a good coach because... It's not exactly what I saw. It's not exactly what very many people saw in USL. Um, And I thought, you know what? If this is the guy we're rolling with, I understand it to an extent, probably pretty cheap in comparison to uh, a lot of other coaches. Let's see what he can do with an MLS roster. Let's build him an MLS roster, hand him the keys, see what happens. He's been successful so far. I have no reason to doubt he wouldn't be successful to an extent, 
I don't think I saw this one coming. I remember like at the beginning of the year, we were kind of like, did they bamboozle us thinking that they were going to spend a lot? <laughs> and then they're really like, no, we're, we're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like that we did get that, right? It was, you know, we're going to spend, we don't want to cheap out. Like this is Carl's play thing. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this right. If you look at like the, the salary statistics and some of the transfer fees, I mean, they did spend money. They didn't not spend money. I think there were definitely two, three, four teams underneath us. The problem is a huge amount of that, that money. And I think a lot of the hopes and dreams of this season were with, Fernando Adi. And that was a terrible, terrible bet in hindsight. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no comment. But uh, eventually <laughs> they start announcing players, Corbin and Fiddle on the 19th, the two <laughs> first signings. Oh, the memorable you, get a, you get a transfer fee or a transfer from PSG as your first signing. I mean, what else could you possibly want for a new MLS team? We're poaching PSG for talent. I'm in. If we want to be honest, Fiddle might have been one of our best signings of the year. <laughs> He's apparently really good at this thing. He had some tournament success. Yeah, I, he just seemed to always be matched up against a Dulsta, who is apparently like <laughs> a, a generational talent He's when it savant. comes to FIFA. <laughs> um, but we start signing players. The first nine that we sign all come from the USL. I think we knew we were going to take a lot of USL players, and we got a lot of grief for it, but were you surprised at all that we took that many? I mean... Ledesma, I guess, had earned it. You know, USL MVP, you could sign off on that. Lasso, uh, if people want to think back to uh, a year ago, was apparently on FC Dallas's, like, you know, target board for transfers going into the 2018 season. It made sense that he was, you know, even being tapped as a possible MLS talent by other MLS teams. That kind of validated that. Jimmy just felt like he was always going to come no matter what. Like, the team wanted a cheap mascot and they got him. Uh, Welshman, Nazmi made sense just as like bottom, you know, end of the bench kind of bodies. The two that were kind of confusing were Blake Smith and Justin Hoyt. At the time, Justin Hoyt seemed like the worst idea ever. He was an old, slow USL fullback. It just seemed like a disaster. In reality, he was fine in MLS. And I think that maybe had more to do with he looked fine compared to the rest of our roster. Blake Smith, though, is the weird one because the team at multiple times in the season last year tried to find somebody to replace him. They tried Pa Kanate. Uh, they tried Lance Lang for a little bit in the beginning of the year. He just kept beating everybody for the spot, which is great. You want to see somebody rise to the occasion. But it was concerning that this was a guy that they were desperately trying to replace, and they couldn't. And when they finally had the opportunity to get rid of him, they didn't, and they signed him, which was very, very weird. And after week one, uh, I think they realized how weird that was. Oh, and we still pay him, by the way. That's the way his contract works. So he got paid by us this past year, the entire year. So that was great. But in my mind, I'm like, most of these guys aren't playing. If you look at the bottom of a roster of an MLS team, it's a lot of nobodies. I wasn't too worried about it. And a lot of those guys <laughs> didn't end up playing for us, but a lot of them did. But then we have the expansion draft come up. But we pick Maddox, Eric Alexander, Roland Lamar, and Undom, somebody who we were all probably a little too high on. Expansion draft, 
I don't hate it. It was actually funny watching it live because um, I'm not sure he was supposed to have done this, but Alan Koch also announced that we had signed slash traded for Greg Garza at the yeah. time, which was pretty great. We also acquired, uh, and I hope I'm okay saying it, but we've acquired Greg Garza today too. Um, so. Oh, breaking news! news. There it is. <laughs> yes. I, I was told a little birdie said it was okay for me to say that. So, I mean, well, that is that is a, a huge. But I thought Darren Maddox made sense as an expansion draft pick. Roland Lamar, uh, I liked him. Like I had done a, uh, a football manager playthrough as FC Dallas, and I I really grew to like Roland Lamar. And we'll talk about Victor Uoa uh, a little bit later on. And I really like those guys. Like Lamar was you know, a seven, eight goals a year winger. And Tom, I was all in on him at the time because you think, oh man, this this young kid coming out of the Red Bulls Academy, like they produced the the last couple of center backs that the U.S. men's national team, uh, you know, starts. You're like, all right, and Dom could handle Adi in that playoff game. This is great. We're like, we're going to grab this this talent on the way up. Turns out he's, he's dog shit, so... He's, he's off to the USL uh, purgatory somewhere. Well, it could be that uh, dominating Fernando Adi was not the accomplishment that we thought it was at the time. <laughs> it turns out, grab any five trim-looking males out of the uh, the stands at Nippert, you probably could have had you know, enough coverage on Adi in that playoff game. December 12th, when we officially have Victor Uyoa. Kendall Waston mm. and like you said, Greg Garza. I, at this point, I'm I'm talking myself into these guys. I'm like, look at us. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, Kendall Waston, Greg Garza, right? So Waston and Garza are like MLS All Stars. Garza, even on the day of the expansion draft, MLSsoccer.com is hyping him up as is he the best left back in MLS? And I think if Garza could stay healthy, he's probably the U.S. Men's National Team's best left back right now uh you got victor uo who's uh you know an above average mls midfielder rolling lamont out on the wings you throw the dice on a guy like uh, ledesma usl mvp sure what can he do it's not a terrible looking roster right now on top of that you already had alashe and fernando adi which at this point you're thinking adi didn't care about usl but he'll be looking to prove himself with his new team going into this year if maddox is the second striker or off the bench option you don't hate how this roster is being built out right now the next week or two we add TT, we heard the inside source say it's a one-named white goalkeeper from Europe. <laughs> and you'd think that would help narrow it down. It really didn't help at all. Nobody came close to uh, Shemiswav Titan. Like, who? But sure. Right. Good. It's like, hey, do you guys remember the 2012 Euros? <laughs> Like, Who could forget? Those diehards watching, I think, the, the Poland v. Greece game or whatever it was. Yeah. It's like, nobody remembers this guy. No. Then we add Bertone, and on the 19th, the, the signing of this season, mm. Matthew Duplon. Well, emergency well, episode. Emer- it Duplon. was an emergency, and I still haven't recovered. Uh, let's round out December. Then we sign Alvis Powell on December 27th. So, TT, Bertone, Duplon, Alvis Powell. Yeah, I'm all in at this point. Like, Bertone, the game Bertone plays before officially signing with FC Cincinnati is Young Boys versus Juventus in the Champions League. Teton was way overhyped even before, you know, seeing him play. But sure, all right, European, you know background on a goalkeeper yeah, just a goalie whatever you know yeah he's he's big all right sign me up Duplan seemed like an average league uh 
Defender, sure. That I mean, that's probably as good, if not better, uh, than MLS, sure. And Alvis Powell, I believe, definitely played in MLS Cup the previous year, just a couple of months prior, a couple of weeks prior at that yeah. point. This is not a bad roster so far. Like <laughs> <laughs> On paper, in the moment, you're like, I'm in. It just kept getting better. January 11th, though, we have the Super Draft. Pick Frankie Amaya first. Midfielder Frankie Amaya. We traded away a bunch of, I don't know if it was Gam or Tam, for pretty much all of, was it all of Philadelphia's draft picks? It was every single one of Philly's draft picks, yeah. Kind of. They're like, oh, they're just giving away everything. Then everyone else was like, actually, this is pretty smart because the draft is so worthless now. It's not where all the talent is, but at the same time, like... We don't have an academy system. Like we don't have young players to to send out on loan and, and recall if something bad goes happen. So a couple of warm bodies, and maybe you hit a lottery pick with one of them, um, or maybe you have to start all of them at some point in your inaugural season. Whichever yeah. way it kind of works out. Then we round out our roster in January with Alan Cruz. Roland Lamar finally signed. Spent a lot of fake money on Hagland. Caleb Stanko on January 23rd. February 13th, Kakuta Mane. And then the last player was, well, not counting in season, was Kenny Safe in March 6th. But, uh. Yeah, give me a young, it was a 23 year old Costa Rican midfielder that everybody's comparing to Conte. Like, Sure. Why not? Why would you not at least pick up the phone and see if he's interested in coming to MLS? I remember uh, Paul Tenorio was like, oh, this kid's great. Like, he's he's going to do really, really good in MLS. And I was like, whoa, Paul Tenorio is talking <laughs> up one of our one of our signings. All right. Look at us. Yeah, I was, I was, I was already beating my chest, talking shit as if I knew what was going to happen. But uh and then Kenny Safe. I knew he was on one of the better teams in Belgium. Like, I could have gotten you that far. I mean, was Israeli-American. But, you know, you look at, like, where our roster was. We needed some help on the wings. It became clear that Maddox wasn't going to be a winger, which was some discussion going on in the offseason. And Kenny Safe, I mean, if he stayed healthy, he's playing well in MLS, you would have thought, oh, he's he could play his way into the U.S. men's national team picture. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at Kenny Safe and Greg Garza as, you know, regular U.S. men's national team guys. You got Waston and Alan Cruz as regular Costa Rican national team guys. Maddox and Powell as regular Jamaican internationals. You're like, oh my gosh, our team is like full of really good CONCACAF talent like this this is something i know we had the worst season in mls history but i still look at the the ideal healthy <laughs> roster and you look at it and you'd be like this is not a bad team but we were so bad <laughs> I don't know. it's, it's <laughs> that, just upsetting that is a hundred percent it's so frustrating that like yeah if this team's at a hundred percent with this talent like and average manager would have been able to squeeze out an average season from it even if we ended up with say even the exact same record i think this team could have played better scored more goals conceded fewer goals like if we end up worse in the league fine but this team the roster accumulated was not as bad as you know what the record ended up being being On the evening of March 1st, the people of Cincinnati tucked themselves into a warm bed. Some said a prayer, others made ritualistic sacrifices, but we all braced ourselves for the long journey ahead. 
for tomorrow was MLS game number one. Rise together. FC Cincinnati fans and players are preparing for the team's season opener tomorrow night. Nine on your side anchor Tanya O'Rourke caught up with fans who traveled across the country to cheer on the orange and blue. And Tanya, our fans seem to travel well. Oh, they do, Kristen. I think that they say that they know of about 400 of their closest friends. It's first MLS game. It's, it's something we've worked towards since year one, something that all of us, I think, are very excited about. We couldn't be more excited to be here. And, uh, you know, the, the table's now set for us. We put our own you know, chair at the table. And, and when you ask them if they're nervous the team may not stack up in the MLS, they say... The fact that we're here, we've won the first season. Now, if we're bad a few years down the road, we'll talk about that then. But <laughs> right now, I don't care if we're bad. We're here. Part one. Is this real, Is this life? real life? March 2nd to April 7th. So there we are. It's the night of March 2nd. We see that first lineup. Corbin Bone, Eric Alexander, Blake Smith on the bench, Forrest Lasso on the bench. I think I was too high on the excitement of uh, FCC, but uh, of all the games, what did you think of that lineup, huh? You know, I remember it vividly because uh, I fell asleep and I woke up literally at game time randomly as if uh, the gods pulled me out of my slumber. So I forced Lasso's gods. I didn't have a chance to soak it in before no, kickoff. Probably for the best. And yeah, I was within a, a throng of people at Molly Malone's watching. I think I would have been excited about it. I was like, Corbin Bone playing the number 10? Let's get crazy. But uh, before talking about the game, then we heard after. I don't know if you remember this, Zach. Alan Koch came out and basically said he felt some guys earned those spots last year in the USL, putting in time, saying like Lasso and... Uh, Blake Smith. And I remember thinking, oh God, <laughs> we're already doing pity, pity spots in the season. But let's talk about the game. 13th minute, whatever it was, Bertone hits the shot heard round the world. To plan, bring it down off his chest. Marshall stabs it away. Now it's hit on the volley. Oh, that's an absolutely incredible first goal in Cincinnati's MLS history by Leonardo Bertone. Maybe our best goal of the season. A memorable goal. At that point, Zach, what were you thinking? Were you thinking the season is ours? It's exactly what I was thinking. I said, park the bus, Kachi. Let's ride it out. <laughs> but we didn't, because for about three minutes, we were styling. What is it, like Barcelona West? <laughs> it was glorious for two or three minutes. But yeah, things quickly took a turn for the worst. But uh, they tore us apart, and it, it showed us the... The relationship between uh, Eric Alexander and Alice Powell was going to need some work. What was your big takeaway after that first game? We lost 4-1, but, you know, it was like, whatever, first game. I was I was already washed my hands. Not everyone was. Yeah, it's too bad because I think that set the tone for the rest of the season for Alvis Powell. I don't think he ever recovered <laughs> from uh, that Sounders game. And he may have, but the fans didn't. No, they, they didn't. Let him forget. Our first MLS game, Corbin Bone, Eric Alexander starting. Eric Alexander, noted winger. Unlike some people, like Queen City War Pigs, who are already, the sky was falling. I was like, come on, who cares? And, uh, I remember Alexi Lawless came out and was like, what do you guys want to be? Are you just happy to be here? Or are you actually trying to win games? I was like, Alexi, come on. We're just getting started, baby. And to be honest, just happy to be here. Just happy to be here. What about you, Zach? Are you just happy to be here? Or were you, were you worried already? No, week one, I was definitely just happy to be there, having a good time. Little did we know Alexi would uh, 
go on to pretty much out himself as a extreme right winger. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that. <laughs> Which is very relevant to how he views the team. But well, it's uh, relevant to how he views the world and how we should take his opinion. Shit all over it. Yeah. Put a boot in your ass in the American way. And the next week, it wasn't going to get any easier playing the defending champions Atlanta United in Atlanta. It was their home opener. Folks, I was a little concerned. We went there. We drove down to Atlanta with Mike the Madman Madinette. And uh, it looked like it was going to be even worse than Seattle. They get a goal in the first few minutes over the top to Joseph Martinez. And uh, <laughs> I know I looked around. I was like, <laughs> guys. Well, pregame, there were some nerves. There were some jitters when we found out TT wasn't going to start. And old Spencer Ritchie was getting the start. We didn't know what to expect. Would nerves be too much for him? It's a huge stadium, 70,000 people. And uh, yeah, once that goal went in, you just thought the floodgates are going to open. And if I recall... We skipped the march to get a better spot. Classic. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I think Atlanta failed miserably because they could have done that all game. Over the top to Martinez, I think uh, they could have burned us at any point. But that was a bad time for Atlanta. Yeah, but those chances were few and far between. We just hung in there. We hung in there. We hung in there until eventually, in the second half, uh, our former boy Kenny Safe and Greg Garza sub on for their season debuts, and it gave us a brief vision of what things could be like. Garza styling, profiling, Kenny Safe hitting passes, all leading up to the Kenny Safe pass of dreams. A beautiful ball to a streaking roll in the ma who put it past Greg Garza. What? <laughs> Brad Kusan. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Uh, once a United, always a United, right? Kenny? The ecstasy, the joy, and we hang on for the one-one tie. Just amazing. And as we uh, go ahead, Zach, uh, take that, me back. That role in Lamar goal is my moment of the season for sure. I uh, that's the most joy I felt. And it's only the second game, so in your mind, you're like, we'll have a lot of moments like this. <laughs> yeah. Same with the Portland one. You're like, wow, this yeah. is going to be quite the season. Yeah. We might suck, but man, we're going to have a lot of these moments. Even that port the Portland game was fantastic, but that that late goal in Atlanta. That was uh, that was it for me. It's like that speech in uh, Field of Dreams. It was like having this close to your dreams, and I watched them brush past you like a stranger in a crowd. At the time, you don't think much of it. You know, we just don't recognize the most significant moments of our lives while they're happening. Back then, I thought, well, there'll be other days. I didn't realize that that was the only day. But my big takeaway from that was we were in the upper deck. It was packed in real tight with FCC fans. And you got to assume if you have 70,000 fans, the top 20,000 are not the most extreme fans. Uh, You know, maybe they are, maybe they're not. But, you know, it's a new team. Let's assume they're vaguely casual up top. And uh, I was about to burst a blood vessel just screaming at these randos. (laughs) Looked at me like I had a dick growing out of my forehead. (laughs) Like, ah, losers! 
guys. Fuck you. Fuck you all. It's all families <laughs> just sitting on their hands like, jeez, uh, guys. And it, it just meant a lot. It's powerful. Crazy Mike Madden. He was going as hard as I've ever seen anyone go. It was a... Uh, Oh, it was quite a spectacle. Remember, we saved uh, two seats for his family members. He showed up quite late yeah. into the proceedings, and everyone is desperate for a good seat. But we had him. Poor uh, poor Max Ellerby, Kakarot, down there dealing with his kids, dealing with popcorn and pizza. <laughs> did, like, did he even? I looked at him. It's like, did he even see the same game? He did not have the same joy on his face that we had. But uh, at, that, at this point, we're leading up to the home opener, and now... The good juju is flown out of control. But I'm bring you back to something that happened. We're on a high, an unmatched high. We record an episode in the car. Go back and listen to it. Oh, I'm getting emotional. The joy was palpable. Wake up the next morning. And Zach, do you remember what FCC did to uh, the joy crushers? Yeah, it was uh, just just poor, uh, poor timing for sure. Flow Sports, if I remember correctly. It was. FCC announces their partnership with Flow Sports, much maligned streaming partner of DC United. Yeah, Flow Sports was, uh, I would have never heard of it, but it was the talk of the town the day or two before because of how terrible it was. And then um, there we go. The outrage was palpable. We're like, man, nothing could soil this Atlanta tie that felt like a victory. But goddamn it, FCC didn't try to do it. And then they would not respond to us. <laughs> Everyone was tweeting at him. No, I've never seen our fan base so united. <laughs> no. And uh, honestly, I think FCC wasn't expecting us to come so hard, and we did. But it was, in their defense, it was great for my meme game. I got a lot of great memes off. Unfortunately, yeah, it did kind of ruin the Atlanta game. In hindsight, it's still it's still pretty pure. But yeah, so they find yeah. It, go was, ahead. it was hard to get excited for the home opener. You had to like convince yourself and. Um, but you learned a thing or two. One, you learned that Charlie Hatch cannot be trusted. <laughs> um, His North Korea propaganda about Flow of Sports is actually a great deal. <laughs> um, and then Jeff Burning with an agitated hostage video. Um, it was yeah. similar to Trump's post-pussy grabbing video. It was just... Uh, Gosh, I wish he hadn't brought this up. <laughs> I've been on such a high with this team lately, and now going back to Flow Sports, it just... Yeah, and not to bring things into the future, but uh, DC United just cut ties with Flow Sports. Hopefully that's a vision of uh, things to come for us. Start the season off right, Jeff. I was reading that um, Birding and Linder are signing a deal with Breitbart to stream our games. <laughs> the Blaze TV? Or... Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if that HD comes in pure, I don't care what they're stro- scrolling at the bottom. <laughs> a pure white stream. Um, but yeah, <laughs> on the day of the game, March 17th, home opener. Uh, I'll tell you what, I got my mojo back. I was excited. That was the March scene around the world. Me and Mike made weebs <laughs> from MLS Extra Time. We made his Instagram story. Uh, marching, holding uh, slav squat, whisk, squat whiskers. And you know what? There's there's a great mood. I wore a coat that day. Guys, can you even? <laughs> That's how long ago it was. I was wearing a parka. And what do we do? We score a goal. Kendall Waston. And everyone back behind the ball to defend for Portland. Bertone sending it in. Watson is there! First home goal in Cincinnati's MLS history! Back for Lamont. Roland Lamont. Deflected ball. Alan Cruz back. Oh! 
Maddox holds it in. Maddox back in front, oh. stabbed in by DePlan. 3-0 Cincinnati. Zach, take me back. March 17th, a crisp March day. Pellets everywhere. Pellets everywhere. <laughs> I do remember Pockets that. Of pellets. Brand new turf uh, loaded with pellets. You know, when that goal went in, you just knew there's something in the air. Yeah. Fortunately, the same couldn't be said to any other game. And then we pile it on in the second half. Two more goals. My man, Matthew Deplon. That's when I, I really pinched myself when Deplon stabbed in by Deplon. It was just all too much, three nothing, and I, I think I was screaming more, more, pile it on, more, and uh, they tried. Not only did we score three, it was a shutout. <sighs> One downside. What? Fernando Adi goes down. The yeah. beginning of the end. The beginning maybe. of the end, truly. And um, yeah, unfortunately, and he had the opening chance at the game. He had a very clear header. He had a great shot. I don't know if you remember that. I do. So many chances for things to have gone differently. They'll be a butterfly had, effect. Yeah. But the high electric crowd out of control. And that was our most, if you can believe it, the following Monday, that was our most listened to KLR of the entire season. Can you believe that? No, I can't. <laughs> it was. It was literally all downhill from there. You, I can show you the chart. And uh, you should see it now. <laughs> Thanks for whoever's hanging on. Thanks for hanging on. But uh, wow, just electric. Absolutely electric. And then we take that on the road. We had a shorthanded team, international break. Few teams were playing. We were we were out a lot of players. But you know who we did have? Kenneth Safe and Greg Garza. We go into New England. The Lions Den. The Lions Den. Absolute <laughs> the crowd out of control. We sneak two goals in there and New England looked like absolute New England looked like how I thought we were gonna look. Uh absolute shit show. We get all three points, and now we are really rolling. I'm listening to all the MLS podcasts, MLS Extra Time. The host saying, "Were we wrong about Cincinnati?" And the- Koch was manager of the week. Yeah, I think he was manager like twice, two weeks in a row. <laughs> we were was. dominating the teams of the week, especially that week because I think there was like three games, so we had like five guys on the team of the week. We had Matt Doyle himself saying. You know what? I think it turns out a lot of the criticism of this team was a little too over the top. <laughs> Doyle. FC Cincinnati, they don't have that. But they have Victor Ulloa and Leonardo Bertone in central midfield. And those are both good players. And they have Kendall Lostin and Nick Hagland in center back. And bo- those are both good players. And then Forrest Lasso steps up this weekend. He's a good player. And Deplan, he's a pretty good player. Like I'm, None of these guys, I don't think, are match winners at the highest level in this league. But they're not losing you games. If and if, if you have that, then you can go to a place like New England and get three points. You should have never hedged. <laughs> you should have rode the anti-FCC train. You should have been on it. But I know people jumped off and they're like, wow, this could be a playoff team. We're sitting near the top of the top of the charts. Then we come back home again, March 30th, Philadelphia Union. Absolute monsoon. Zach, were you at that monsoon game? I was not. I, I didn't go to any of the rain games. Wow. And there was quite a few. I'm not as loyal as First Financial Bank. I did watch it on TV, though. And uh, unfortunately, torrential downpour. Here's what happens. Bertone, we're down a goal. You probably don't remember this. Bertone had a near equalizer two times in a row. He got blocked off by our own player on one of them. I think it was Hagelin was in the way. And the next time, he almost hit the post. And as we did, theme of the season, Philadelphia goes down and gets another goal. Zach, what do you say that's one besides just being generally awful? One of our themes has been nearly score, immediately give up a goal to the other team. Yeah, without a doubt. 
That's the theme. That's what fucking happened. So we lose 0-2, but a positive, our man, MVP of the season, not statistically, Frankie Amaya made his MLS debut. Happy to see him out there. Yeah, I think we all were. And then um, I think we all decided to view that as a throwaway game, blaming it on the weather. It was bad weather. It did not seem to affect Philadelphia, but it affected us quite a bit. So then we got another home game, April 7th. Against a depleted, and I mean depleted, Sporting Kansas City team. They started at least seven or eight players who they did not start the previous game. They were crushed by the international break and injuries. It was basically like we were playing Swope Park Rangers. They called it a schedule loss for the other team. They kind of threw this one away. They were thinking they did. They were still, they were in the Champions League as well. Yes, that's why. They had played a Wednesday game, CONCACAF Champions League, and they started a whole new team, basically. We get a PK goal. They have a 16-year-old up from Swell Park score against us. Final score, 1-1. It was a tie, but honestly, it felt like a loss. And the fact that Koch could not handle that was a sign of things to come. It would be our last goal. It would be our last point for the next five games. But Zach, talk to me. At this point, we are 2-2-2. You had to be feeling sky high. You couldn't ask for more. We were on pace with our predictions. I think if you asked anyone, would you take two, two, and two for those first six games, they'd be a fool not to take it. You'd be an idiot. You'd be a downright clown. But unfortunately, I'm sure things would get better. This was the peak of the season. Now, can you imagine if we had been in the thick of it the entire season? We just kept that energy. It'd have been different. For sure. But let's see what happens next. When you look at this broken down this way that first chunk of the season being so decent then five games later Koch is out that seems beyond harsh (laughs) let's talk about it at this early stage in the season FC Cincinnati sat comfortably in fifth place in the Eastern Conference dreams of not only the playoffs but a home playoff game filled the heads of fans across the city. But a road trip from hell would show just how far we were from respectability. Part two, back to reality, April 13th to May 4th. So we go on the road, LAFC, future possible champions. They're looking like world beaters. I don't think they had lost a game. I think they might've won all their games at that point. We're going out to the West Coast. No one's predicting anything. You might say this was a a clean slate game as well. But you know what? We hung tight. We played well. And we had lots of early chances. I remember that Darren Maddox curler that took a great save to stop. But eventually they broke through. Flying forward. Vela keeps it. Vela! Yeah, if I recall correctly, that was maybe our first moral victory from a loss. That was our... We played them well. That was our most victorious loss. That second goal was in or around stoppage time that they got when we were pushing for our seconds. It was like, whatever. This was Frankie's first game out of the rain (laughs) in front of his family. And I think we all remember thinking Frankie looked good. He was a pest on defense. He was confident on the ball. He didn't have a lot of chances, but the moment was not too big for young King. Frank Amaya. I do remember. And then we left him in LA. No one can explain that to me. <laughs> no. That was our second big misstep after Flow Sports, I would say. So Frankie plays well. We end up losing 2 nothing. We had a decent amount of chances. I think everyone was like, okay, we were supposed to lose this game on the road, LA. 
So nobody got their their uh, undies in a twist. We leave Frankie in LA. We loan him out to Orange County. I think this is to be like a month long loan. Ends up being like not that much. And he doesn't start. He gets like a total of 60 minutes of playing time in three games. Does not get picked for the U20 team, which I think was the point. And then we send him back. It was one of the blunders of the season. And as we saw later, Frank ended up being pretty important for us. So that was valuable time. He could have been with the team. Wasted. Absolutely wasted. So following the LA game, we come home. We play Real Salt Lake. We got to yell at Beckerman. It was a great time. Early on in the game, one of their guys goes down. Totally fucks up his finger. You remember this, Zach? I do. Grossy, grossy. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, early sub. Guy's fingers mangled. We got this one. Now, 3-0 shellacking. At this point, questions need to be asked, and I'm asking them. Is Koch the right guy? Is Eric Alexander the star we need? Zach, what kind of questions were you asking? The same ones? Different ones? I was asking, why is Frankie in Orange County? (laughs) Why is Eric Alexander always our go-to sub when we're in trouble? Lots to ask. And um, that's all I was asking. Then we head out on the road. We go to New York, Red Bulls. We play them tight, but again, we can't find the net. Third game in a row. It's a 1-0 loss. If I recall correctly, that was a classic missed opportunity. Red Bull score goal. Maddox continuing on one-on-one on Robles. Maddox off the post. Mario defending. Shot by Lamar. Rang off the post. Ball bounces in the 18. Hit And off the top of the bar. That was Waston in the danger area. I don't doubt it. It's the theme of our life. So now, we're in a bit of a funk. We're, we're sliding down quickly the standings. I'm that starting is, to think a home playoff game isn't guaranteed. That is three games with no goals. This time we're at Philadelphia. It's a revenge game. Now, I think at this point, Philadelphia's playing well, but we didn't realize they were going to be possible. They might be the Eastern Conference champs this season you know they're a great team this year but you know in our minds it's the usual philadelphia union you know big mls fans not great spencer ritchie is out there for that one and he is having the game of his life i rewatched the highlights spencer's making save after save after save after save after save even with spencer's game of his life eventually we lose to nothing lasso definitely started that game this was a classic tommy g and kevin mccloskey game where uh, Lasso was about five yards off on the first goal, the first cross, and kind of twisted and turned around. They said, well, Lasso getting back in position, didn't doing all he can. I was like, <laughs> brother, <laughs> no. And Zach, my last game, outdoor game, Gotham Soccer League, who do I see in the game before me in our same D2? Kevin, Kevin fucking McCloskey. <laughs> uh, it was the team we tied the week before, but Kevin was not out there. It was quite a foreign team, but uh, he was out there. He was shaking and baking, not always successfully, but he was out there. Uh, Zach, do you remember that Philadelphia Union game? I just remember thinking, again, this is our team, and then we're missing a lot of guys, and it's starting to add up. We don't have quite the roster to sustain the losses that we're enduring. I believe Greg Garza had re-injured himself at this point already. Uh, it was getting rough, and questions are being asked of Koch. And Koch is saying he needs more bodies. But it wasn't going to get easier because three days later, we're going all the way out to San Jose. San Jose was struggling big time at the beginning of this season. And I think we thought that's one we could sneak away with. Right the ship, as you will. And um, 
You'd be fucking wrong. You'd be you'd be real, real wrong. So we're out there. San Jose gets the first goal. Their style looks to be upsetting us. We cannot get a foothold in the game. Frankie can't get a foot in the game. I believe Eric Alexander might have started that game. I'm having brief flashbacks. But I think at about the 60th, something like that minute, I don't know if you remember this, Zach. San Jose Earthquakes player gets a red card. They're down to 10 men. Here we go. We're going to get our goal. Showtime. Guess what, folks? The goal never came. That's five straight games, no goals. That is seven straight games, no goals in the run of play. One penalty in seven games. That's May 4th. Zach, at this point, it's bad. Um, Adi's saying we need more playmakers in the post game. Koch is saying we need more players. We've used the words, not just me, many people in this club. This is a project. project Did it go through your head at all that that could be the South Africans' final game in charge of FC Cincinnati? It didn't, but do you know what happened? What? Famous dat dude from Reddit, David Berenson, <laughs> makes a tweet. That's it. Not going to any more games until Alan Koch is fired. The next day he's gone. So as you said, this news breaking in just the last hour. Alan Koch officially out as head coach after three seasons for FC Cincinnati. This, of course, being the club's very first season in MLS play and the results in the field. <laughs> did you know did. he had that kind of power? Oh, my God. That puts a whole other spin on the whole thing. Yeah, Alan Koch fired May 7th. Honestly, you got to say, yeah, Zach, we're looking at the breakdown. Five straight losses. You're like, wow, that's kind of harsh at this point in the season. So few goals. The locker room possibly lost. And let's be real. We've been saying beating the beating the drum of Koch might not be a good coach during like our 30-game win streak last year. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not trying to be a revisionist here. But when you look at this... And I didn't think we should bring Koch to the MLS at all. But once we did, I think this is a bad look. Now, when you look at this breakdown, that's a good start to the season. 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. We looked good against LAFC. Salt Lake and Red Bulls were not good games. Then we lose to the Union and San Jose. Both end up being pretty fucking good. So, fair? I don't know. Is it too late to bring Koch back? Jan's out. Koch back. <laughs> I'm here for it. But, um, yeah, Koch was out. Interim was Yoan DeMay. And what would happen next would leave everyone's jaw on the floor. I asked noted soccer expert Kevin Wallace for his take on the Alan Koch era and firing. I actually, after the Seattle game, had mentioned in uh, in my post-game blog, I thought there were grounds to fire Koch. <laughs> After that game, <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> Lots of articles about our instability if we had done that. Right. But <laughs> I mean, like, if you remember that Seattle game, there were like Blake Smith made the bench and Eric Alexander started on the wing and Corbin Bone started uh, that game. It's just a whole bunch of really weird decisions. And then afterwards, the team came out and said that. Uh, Koch felt like some of those guys had earned it from last year. And yeah. I thought, oh, my God, this is like the participation trophy season. None of this matters. 
And if that's a club decision, I'm incredibly disappointed and frustrated. And if it's a Koch decision, that's probably even worse that he's just deciding to throw away our first MLS game. So like I said before, like I wasn't even sure about him following the USL season. And that was one of the most successful USL seasons of all time. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sad to see him go. I mean, I think if you looked at it just as the MLS season, you think, oh, he loses, what was that, five games in a row and he's fired. That does seem harsh. But I think you know, the, the word on the street was that the uh, the players had totally given up on him and everything else added on to it. There, there wasn't much justification in keeping him. Koch really wasn't doing anything in the USL, and he was the Perfect. beneficiary of the best roster in the USL and uh, amazing individual players like Ledesma. I remember the, the catchphrase of 2018 was, if you take away the goals, and that was totally it. Like, if you took away the moment where Nazmi just takes the ball himself and, and knocks one in from 25 yards out, like, the game would be just dog shit from FC Cincinnati. And then we saw that again, only this time we didn't have good enough players to have those moments. And, you know, our our roster just wasn't better than anybody else's. And it was probably inferior in a lot of ways to to these teams. And it just, it all fell apart. And Koch wasn't adding anything positive out there. So made sense to see him go. A USL regular season championship, an unforgettable US Open Cup run, and a memorable game with a goatee and a Dickies short sleeve shirt. All of it gone in a flash. Alan Koch was canned. But was he a scapegoat for birding? A head case with no player's social skills? Or just an overwhelmed D2 coach found out by the big boys? Would anything change? We'd find out soon enough. Part 3 False Hope and the Bitter Truth. May 11th to June 29th. So, Zach, you were screaming from the rooftops. It's got to be DeMay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. And his first game will be at home. We're now just saying we're going to go back to basics. We're going to work on things like passing. And we're playing his old whatever role he had with Montreal Impact. Did you know DeMay's French? At home. I was just excited for a change, and you could see the bonding of the assistants. Like, guys, we're the remaining. We're in this together. We That first game against Montreal, what were you thinking? Because I, I remember thinking, I'm pretty confident. I think we're going to get this one. Right. Take yourself back. So, I'm going to take myself back. And if I recall correctly, we had Justin Hoyt at center back. I remember that was like... Boston was back. But there was a big change... And that he wanted to play out of the back, it seemed like. And he moved Justin Hoyt to center back. Because I remember discussing, he must think that Nick Hagelin's not as good with the ball at his feet. Which is insane. Because he dropped to the bench. And um, Yeah, we had Hoyt, Waston, Garza Deplan, Uyoa, Frankie, Bertone, Lama, Maddox, Cruz. Yeah, four, so... 4-3-3, three, three, immediately switching to the 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, we could have been doing that before, I remember. But. No, I think the main things I took away when, uh, when DeMay came in is one... Hoyt to center back to try and fit this style. And then um, a lot of faith in Frankie, finally. Deserve it. Faith. Family. Seventh minute. Alan Cruz pushes one home. And you're thinking, (laughs) oh, Yohan. You son of a bitch. What have you been doing? And, uh, yeah. 
I remember the big takeaway was passing it around the back. You know, it wasn't leading to much. But the buildup for the goal was like a 16 pass buildup. So you're thinking, is this all it took? Some fucking passing? Credit to Yohan Deme, uh, the the 29 year old Frenchman who's the interim head coach in Cincy. I, I think he correctly assessed his midfield talent. And if you look at the way they had played over the first two months under Alan Koch, they just skipped the midfield every single time. Long ball after long ball. The, it wasn't working, clearly. And Fatai gets a goal in the 62nd minute. Montreal gets a goal in the 75th minute to make it 2-1. But the game was ours. The DeMay way had arrived on American shores. And you're thinking, it's not too late. I mean, if you're looking at the schedule, there's plenty of time. The playoffs, they're still out there for us. You know what they were saying? Uh, it's like Ole coming in for Mourinho. Everyone was saying it. The shackles have been removed. Mm-hmm. The bad juju have been, but oh boy, burned. <laughs> Wrong. We head to Orlando. Orlando, not playing well, as usual. Not a great season. Barely any fans there. It's a hot one. It's a 3 p.m. game. Darren Maddox takes it all by himself in the first half. Maddox in the box, waiting. Comes in on Janssen. Maddox still. Maddox scores. Scores one on five. You know, I remember that call vividly, and I think about it often. I wonder if Maddox took it the way that I took it, Tommy G says, and Maddox finally shoots it. <laughs> As if, like, like, come on, Darren, shoot the fucking ball. I'd be a little, I believe Ledesma, I'd be a little offended. Ledesma hit the crossbar before that. Um, but things went from bad to worse. Actually, that's the game where Greg Garza got hurt and went out, I believe. <laughs> And uh, we wouldn't see him for a while. But we opened the floodgates. We said, come on in, Orlando. This is your house after all. Let's see what you got. You know what they had? Five goals in them. An absolute beat down. But you're thinking, it's okay. And a little revisionist history. I don't know if you saw us the other day, Zach, where uh, Pat Brennan said, hey, you know, we were in that Orlando game. We scored first. (laughs) 5-1. 5-1. And then um, we were in that Sounders game. (laughs) Yeah. Technically. Uh, we come home, Rebels back again. This time, more convincing on their part. They beat us 2 nothing. It's okay. Hey, we're just figuring ourselves out. June 1st, we're heading out to Colorado. I have some issues. That's the plane game. That is the plane game. Yeah. I think that was the main problem. The, and they, do you hear about the altitude? It's terrible if you're not ready. So Colorado goes up early. We come back. A beautiful ball to Kakutamane. We tie it up. Before we're even done chanting FCC, Colorado scores again. (laughs) We had tied it for literally less than a minute. Colorado would add another one. At this point, you're thinking, we are not so great. But hey, I'm going to hold out hope. One more away game. Let's, hey, we can do this, guys. We can do this. We head out to NYCFC. (sighs) Starting lineup was not looking the best. We're still missing a lot of guys. Let me just give you the starting lineup a little bit here. Corbin Bone returns. Number 10, playing under Adi. Nick Hagland, center back. Hoyt's out there. Richie, Stenko, Ledesma. Zach, Don't I know forget you. Don't forget Forrest Lasso. I thought I had said that. Sorry. Forrest Lasso, center back. A Lasso-Hagland pairing. But the God, the God did not smile down on us. Zach, I know you remember that game. I do. Some, um, including myself, have called it our worst performance of the year. I have called it the worst performance I've ever seen in the MLS. <laughs> the MLS. And folks, we lose 7-1 two weeks later. Um, 
Yeah. Forrest Lasso on skates. He has three assists, and here's the shot, and there's the goal. It's number five. Uh, Haglin on skates. The whole team ice skating. <laughs> it was the game where literally every time NYC got the ball and started going the other way, you thought they're going to score a goal. And they nearly did every time. Zach, take me back to their headspace. What are you thinking at that point? At that point, I think I was thinking season over. I was, uh, I felt embarrassed a little bit. Yeah, and you know who was watching that one? Do you remember? Yeah, Pep. <laughs> he so. was like, I like this. I think Lasso thought the move to City was on. <laughs> and then, bam. Nope. So we lose that. Someone who we hadn't seen for a while, Kenny Safe. Fallen out of favor with the club and fallen out of favor with women. Kenny leaves between that and the next game. But something else happened. A brief moment of joy between our next two games. We play Louisville at home. A rare chance to score a goal. Fernando Adi finally gets his first goal of the season. We beat Louisville. Yeah, that was the, uh, after the Portland game, that was uh, the most joyful, I think, at home. Yeah, um, sadly, it's hard to argue. Yeah, I had a good time. Empty stadium, extra time. Lots of room to run around our it's rows. Exciting Kakutamane, I believe, with a winner. Yeah, um, off the Ledesma pass. I was doing air jerk-offs to the Louisville fans. Yeah, I think we talked about this last week. Yeah, um, beckoning them to come over, yeah, yelling at Purple time. Shirt. We but were the, free from the shackles of Kenny Safe. Uh, <laughs> he was able to go back to Israel, get married, and then three days later try to set up a rendezvous with a lady in Cincinnati. <laughs> Folks, you just can't wrap your head around how these athletes are. But then, who came to town? Zlatan Ibrahimovic, given 40% of his all against us. And um, we lose to nothing. Again! Yeah, it was two early goals. And um, Zlatan just gave up on the game. And uh, So did we. You know who didn't? Nick Haglin. He had a good game. Yeah, he did have a good game. He was in, he was in Zlatan's ass. I'll tell you what. And he took that energy to Minnesota, June 29th, playing the team we were oft compared to. I think about that game often. and um, Minnesota? If Rashawn Dolly buries that early goal, I think we could have pulled away <laughs> with a win. <laughs> they really did a number on us. Eric Alexander. Wow. Eric Alexander with the start. Who could have predicted things would go wrong? Rashawn Dolly up top. Um, that was depressing. I think we we couldn't even muster the strength to do a pod that weekend. Here's Mason Toy, and there is goal number seven from number seven, Kevin Molina. We passed it off to our friends in Minnesota. Uh, the loony bin. You okay? It's just a yawn. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota ends up with goals in the 18th, 23rd minute, 30th minute, 43rd minute, 70th minute, 75th minute, and 87th minute, but not to be outdone. Emmanuel Desma gets a goal in the 56th minute. 7-1 shellacking. At this point, you're thinking our season's over. Um, we won DeMay's first game, and then we lose six games in a row. But we did score a few goals. <laughs> Goal scoring, not an issue. We're just in limbo, sitting tight, waiting for an actual manager. So we've decided nothing really matters. Including winning. Five losses in a row. Last time that happened, the coach was fired. But interim coach DeMay wasn't going anywhere. The permanent coaching search was supposedly still going on. Was there any way to turn this ship around? 
Playoff chances were fading, and spirits were low. Part 4. One Last Dream. July 6th to August 3rd. So there we are, back home. (laughs) Houston Dynamo coming to town. Who knows what to expect? And it's July 6th. Weather's warm. Weather's beautiful. And you're thinking, this couldn't be the start of something special. Oh, but it was. 3-2 winners over Houston, where Victor Uyoa got a rare goal, the third goal. An absolute blunder by the Dynamo keeper. Went through his legs, and I, rewatching the highlight, Tommy G says, Nutmeg's the keeper! <laughs> At some point, yeah. it's not a nutmeg. Yeah, no, I I was watching up on the top bleachers, because it was, uh, was kind of hot that day, actually. And um, I heard Victor call it. Through the sticks, <laughs> bam! Um, and Put I some remember, real English on that shot. <laughs> I remember thinking, I really feel bad for that keeper. I'm glad that's not the game winner. Yep, it was. Yeah. Turns out it was, as we gave up two late goals, and yeah. uh, they fucking piled that pressure on. It, it was, was very uh, close. I think I kind of resigned myself, like they're gonna tie us, and uh, they nearly did. Their two goals were back to back, very quick, and then they were just firing in corners, and each one you held your breath as it. Went across the face of goal. But no, we hold on. A rare three points. You're thinking. Spencer had some saves that game. I remember that for sure. It wasn't an easy three. It looked. He thought it would be. He thought it was Portland part two. It definitely wasn't. But you're like, man, there's just no way we can string anything together. It's our problem. We headed over to Chicago. I was on vacation. I watched it from the comfort of a vacation rental. Super early goal by Alan Cruz. Looking for an early opportunity in FC Cincinnati. Strikes in the first minute. Oh, baby. Finally. Chicago pulls one back, though. And you're thinking, this is us. There's just no way we're going to score. Then late in the game, Zach, who saves the day? The man. Stone sober. The myth. The man who hates Ron Jans. And Jared Nykamp. I didn't get to watch this game either. I was on vacation. A separate vacation. But... It was uh, not a very pretty left-footed shot, but... And FC Cincinnati now, it's Adi. Adi, the left foot! Finishes it for Cincinnati there. Fernando Adi gives them the lead late. Ends up in that right corner. Adi was his name. We never said it, but... (laughs) Fernando Adi puts it past the keeper. Zach, two games in a row. Honestly, what? All of a sudden, and uh, this... I remember this sickened Pablo Maurer. We were talking about, we're still in the playoff race. And he was like, the fact that a team is still able to be in the playoff race after playing this badly says a lot about the playoff structure. And I said, up yours, baby. We're in it to win it. A two-game win streak, Zach. We're flying high. Yeah, I didn't know what that felt like. And it felt good. Nothing could bring it down. Not even Wayne Rooney. Coming to town midweek with DC United. Oh, felt good to heckle our old friend Wayne. And uh, tell you what. Didn't go great. Did not know how to stop him on the bricks. No, we didn't. I main memory from that game is the fucking prick sitting behind me and Nick. Um, just embarrassing himself and really ruined the day for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, sir, if you're listening, I think you've got season tickets in 124. I, I pray that you fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, that game, you thought we were going to get back into it when we got... Ledesma wins a PK. Uh, he takes it hilariously. Comes to a, what I would say was a complete stop. He scores it. Wayne Rooney's so upset. He gets a yellow card. Five minutes after that, they get a goal. Then Wayne Rooney gets a goal. 
Then Paul Ariola, as we're down 3-1, streaks down the side. Justin Hoyt backs up into eternity. And uh, 4-1 final score, and you're thinking, oh, man. And the next three days later, New England comes back in town. But this New England was different. Bruce Arena at the helm. It's like, how good was it to see Bruce back on the sidelines? Uh, I just really love his figure. I remember um, Nick sitting next to me at the game. He was like, did New England get a new manager yet? I was like, oh, Nick, how do you have a soccer podcast? But um, uh, Yeah, they 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 fired Brad Friedel about the same time we fired uh, Koch. Yeah, and I had, I don't like Bruce Arena. I just don't. Even when he's being successful somewhere. There's something about his fucking smug asshole attitude. I really just dislike. However, I was envious because they fired their coach. Got a big name in instantly and fucking turned everything around. Meanwhile, we're just like, well, we just want to wait till we find the right guy. And uh, the new New England took us down 2 nothing. Ah, playoffs are getting hard. But I held out faith as we headed to Toronto the following week in what I remember as one of the chippiest games of the year. Ledesma really getting under their skin. There's just an image in my head of you see Josie at one time just yelling, Ledesma! I asthma. And all I did was try and help uh, Brad Guzan up off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so that game's also memorable because Josie had that uh, great strike from outside the box. And uh, we lose that game 2-1, but... Oh, yeah. What a fucking great goal. It wasn't... In, we were in that game. That wasn't a game where you're like, fuck, man. What are we doing? Uh, we had every chance to uh, be a part of that. But at the end of the day, we're, we're not a great team. And finally... <laughs> Last game for old Yohan DeMay, hosting Vancouver Whitecaps, in which was a race to the bottom. The two worst teams in MLS, and Vancouver said, not today. Lose that game one to two. Koch had had his revenge. But that was the last game of DeMay. Zach, what's your big DeMay takeaway? I was not a fan. I thought he was uh, a non-subber. A non-subber, and his subbing decisions were questionable at best. Um, Sub by committee. Yeah. He just seemed to like always just be in discussions about what to do and then he wouldn't do it. I was so many times screaming from the stands like, Johan, make a change. You got to make a change. Paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Sasano for a lot of these games is on the bench. Um, Tiny man, you guy and all our assistants, Jack Stern. All these guys are huddling up, trying to make decisions and the decision would normally be no decision at all. But one of the times after a long powwow was an Eric Alexander sub, and I think that's when I was like, wow, we're fucked. But that was his last game. Sayonara, even though you never left. For his thoughts, noted soccer expert Kevin Wallace. What do you think the DeMay way was, Kevin? The DeMay way was birding and maybe Sasano and at some point Nijkamp gets involved, the higher-ups in FC Cincinnati telling Johan DeMay, hey, I need you to play a 4-3-3 attacking style of soccer, and I need you to try to string as many passes as you can, and we're not going to be adding any new players anytime soon. I don't care if you lose. We just want to see who could possibly cut it in a system like this which is incredibly frustrating as a fan to essentially hear from the team that they're not trying to win games anymore. Not even halfway through the season. Yeah, right. Like, 
MLS's playoff system is so stupid that anybody could put in a tiny amount of effort and at least be in the hunt for the playoffs. Like when we played Orlando at the end of the season, they were mathematically alive in the playoffs and they were only two spots above us in the table. Like it's not hard to make the playoffs. And we just decided it was an insurmountable goal for us. And after that first game we won, just uh, immediately brought back down so harshly to earth against Orlando, losing 5-1 after I think we scored first. Who was it? Pat Brennan or Charlie Hatch pointed out that, you know, we had our moments against, uh, (laughs) what was it? James O'Connor. Darren Maddox got the first goal. God, no, there's no such thing as a not bad 5-1 loss. Maybe 3-1 max. And there was another moment where, if you remember, that was Darren Maddox did like six or seven stepovers and pullbacks in a row and hit this like miracle angle goal. Like it had nothing to do with coaching. (laughs) That was a USL goal. Four straight losses effectively ended whatever slim postseason hopes FCC had. But finally, a reason for optimism the arrival of permanent head coach Ron Jans. And while the remaining results were mostly meaningless, his first and third game were far from it. Part 5. Save us, Ron. August 10th to October 6th. Ron Jans! Oh, a name ballyhooed across the ears in the bow of ships across the world. Zach, Ron comes in press conference pat brandon calls him the most quotable man since shakespeare what were you thinking yeah i was happy to have somebody and then maybe at least clear defined roles within the team um i'm still a little cloudy on the sporting directors slash and then managers who decides what Ron can only give an opinion and not make decisions on players and this and that it's all very odd to me and um, no, I wasn't like over the moon. He's had a career of mediocrity. But uh, yeah, it was nice to have somebody. And then in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. And we were that bad. Our first game, hell is real number one. We go up to Columbus, score two early goals. And you're thinking, Ron is king. Gootman is God. We are unstoppable. Everything's changed. That skip through past Granali. This is Latesma. 60 minutes of holding on for dear life <laughs> yeah it was I the mean, press died <laughs> and we died around it it did i i don't know if we just gassed ourselves it was hard to say but we tried to play it turns out if we don't score two goals early we can't yeah we, can't play. we held on for fucking dear life that it honestly could have gotten ugly but it was very very exciting and i think um it gave us a false sense of uh glory with gootman Yes, uh, but both of the other new guys, uh, Joe Jiao, Joe Jiao, Etienne, Etienne, they came in and V-dubs. just like, yeah, that was maybe his best game as well. To be fair, and um, yeah, but those guys on the outside, I mean, they were, they were all fucking going for it when yeah. they went in. So we were like, all right, it was nice to finally have something happy to think about. Yeah. So what I thought would happen is we're gonna just fucking throw caution to the wind for the rest of the se- of the season, and uh, we kind of did. <laughs> I I don't think we did. I remember those. We last... kind of we kind of dipped our toes in enough to get shellacked, but not enough to hold on to the fort like the last few games of the season. So we take our newfound quality back home to the nip, 
NYCFC comes to town. 4-1 thrashing. And you're like, okay, maybe they're looking ahead because next week, hell is a real part two. <laughs> We're home again. This time Columbus comes. We, we've got a game plan. We know what we're doing. But apparently Columbus adjusted. Columbus had a game plan. It's called oh. score three goals. A hooked through ball over to a uh, charging Jazzy Zardes. Tried it a few times. Almost came off. And they found their uh, their range. There it was for him. Over and over. We simply could not handle. Could not adjust. And it was rough to see. We did pull one back late, and I'll tell you what, that late goal was exciting. That's all we just needed something to get excited about. We got the great pass from Ledesma to Mane. He scores the goal. There's a little scrum in the goal to retrieve the ball. Little. I don't know. It was it was major. It was a palpable scrum. Someone could have died. If there's and, one uh, thing these players should have learned is we want to love them. We want to cheer. Yeah, just so, got to give us something, even a late goal. Or a scrum. Yeah, so we can scream, hit him. Uh, we lose three one. It was deflating. We head to FC Dallas. We lose three one. All of a sudden, the Ron Yans era is not off to a great start, and you can see the look in his face. Hmm. Yeah. What have hmm. I gotten myself what into? What have I done? But it'll get better because we're going back home. Toronto's coming. The last one was scrappy and close. I think I know how to handle him now. Five one. <laughs> Shellacked. The game is memorable because Ledesma scored a PK for his poppy. Again, a late penalty. Crowd goes apeshit. We just need something. Yeah, they were given a red card. The crowd goes apeshit. Anything. Please, droop the other team. Do something. We head to Montreal. Thank God. Score an early goal. one nothing. We hold on. Three points. Ron gets his first of the game. But at this point, I think possibly eliminated from playoff contention. <laughs> If you can believe it. But Montreal was still fighting. So that was against a team who was trying, and we took it to them. Atlanta comes to town. They're trying to win. We don't play him too poorly. Joseph Martinez, too good. Folks, he's the difference. Uh, two nothing. Chicago Fire come to town. A beautiful scoreless draw. Look, I don't like to second guess this team, but Emery Welshman would uh, bury some of those that uh, Rashawn missed. Then Orlando comes to town for our final home game of the season. Get a good goal. You're thinking, we're playing much better. They're flailing. James O'Connor is dying. Nope, they get a late goal. 1-1. Deserve three points. And then, of course, the DC United game. We don't need to get into that. So we finish things off. Ron gets a win and two ties. Zach, the Ranyans era to end the season. I'd say we end on a little more of a positive note than things had been. I suppose. I think uh, no? getting that draw against Orlando, I guess it's nice to end with something <laughs> at home. And uh, it's the last we're going to see of some of these guys. Most of them, it seems. A lot of them, at least. Um, Zach, what's your big takeaway this season as we... Put it six feet under, we throw the dirt on top. I don't even know. I will say it is hard to judge Ron's era this season because the season was lost. So I think it was hard to get, I don't know. We were up for the first Hell is Real. And then after that, I remember being at home. We're out of playoff contention and being kind of upset. Like, we're still sitting back. We have absolutely nothing to lose. Why just try to put on a show? 
and like it would come in spurts but all in all been really fucking disappointing and maybe you know he partly wanted to evaluate because they're just thinking the next season and the roster um i think they've already made one huge blunder in not keeping victor i don't know who they're gonna keep but i keep him over stanko bertone everyone (laughs) he'd be my go-to midfielder i'd keep him and frankie Mm -hmm. well victor great hair how it was written is that he was told he wouldn't be offered I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. But a uh, different story for a different day. Yeah, that's next week's the UO is special. <laughs> it's two hours long. So bottom of the table, worst team of all time. You gotta say it can only go up from here. We've had some laughs. We've had some tears this season. We've had some smiles, few and far between. But as you look through and you see the the games that are in green that we won, <laughs> man. <laughs> There's not a lot. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Just go through the schedule. Use a highlighter. For his thoughts, noted soccer expert, Kevin Wallace. What's your big... What's the theme, Kevin? What should we think when we remember this wasted uh, this wasted year? I think this is a good reminder of how important a manager can be in soccer. And I think it's something that the team just thought would be fine. There's not a lot of examples in the history of soccer of a fantastic team winning despite having a terrible manager, even if that manager's job is to get out of the way of the better players or to slightly nudge personalities here and there and not even do much at all. But it's very clear that a bad manager can just destroy everything that you're doing. And... I think between Alan Koch being out of his depth and probably Dame being completely out of his depth, he was younger than like four or five of the players on the team. I can't imagine that commanded a ton of respect, (laughs) especially considering he was never a professional player and this was his first coaching, like head coaching job. Like he couldn't even say like, well, boys, when I was, you know, the manager of Knott's or whatever, like I, we, we did this and we overcame, like he had nothing to fall back on. I don't know. Hopefully, Jans is that guy. Hopefully, between him and Nijkamp, they can go find uh, some good talent and and coach it up to to be a half-decent team. You like to think it literally can't get worse than this. If this is the worst MLS season of all time, we probably won't ever beat it. But, yeah, I think my takeaway here is how important a manager really is. What are you putting your money on? What spot does FCC finish next year <laughs> with operating on 5% of the relevant information you need? Uh, I've, I've got the GM and probably the, the manager. Let's go. Give me eighth place. I'll, I'll say we, we miss out on the playoffs on the last week of the season. <laughs> that would just, I hate how, <laughs> I hate how uh, amazing that would be. It really puts it in perspective. Zach, final thoughts on the season before we say sayonara. Um, if you made it through this episode, good for you. Um, maybe the least entertaining. Yeah. Music cues will save the day. I don't know. Is this our last one? Uh, not necessarily. Our last FC Cincinnati one. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. All I can say is that we did our best. It was hard. Um, it's hard when you're losing so much. Do you remember that uh, over the top actor was it Roberto uh, the Italian actor who had the 
Life is Beautiful movie. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. like a kind of like a jester in the concentration camps. <laughs> I don't mean to compare us to him. <laughs> but in the face of such horror, yeah. we've tried to be a, a, a light. I think we've succeeded. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so I want to say thanks to all the uh, 30 second co-hosts. I do look forward to my soccer crush. If that's real. What? Beth Smith. Have you not seen their Twitter? My soccer crush Twitter? No. A podcast. I think about hot guys. <laughs> and they just post pictures of like your daily dose of Mo, like Salad. And the, uh, oh, yeah. It's funny because I think, didn't Beth Smith question us on objectifying Lindsay and the others? <laughs> they have a, uh, simpler times. I still uh, think Pat Brennan likes Lindsay Patterson. So sue me, okay? I gotta Is say, it so wrong? I don't want to turn this into some fucking barstool sports bullshit, but <laughs> I don't know if Lindsay got a new stylist, but give them a raise. <laughs> <laughs> she had a few Lily Allen games, the dress with the sneaks. Yeah, yeah. So did Steck, to be fair. Sometimes they walk by each other, and I can't tell if I'm picking, I'm, I'm creating a coldness between the two, or they're best buddies. All right. Amelia, what's Gutman? Everyone in the world. Zach, you're breathing. I don't know what to say. Nick, uh, catch you on the flip side. Maybe uh, I'll go back in time and watch this DC game with you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> Chad, see you next season. Corbin Bone, catch you around <laughs> the neighborhood, hopefully. Um, we still see you at there. Sidewinders. Still hang there often. I went to Sidewinders today. And Dom, hardly knew you. <laughs> Hung around the team for a long time for no reason. <laughs> Fernando, don't you just want to side with him a little bit? I'm going to side with Ron. I trust Ron until he proves me wrong. Well, I'd like to know what Gerard came in that locker room and said because Adi's right. He didn't know these guys at all. If he Maybe came he was in, in Dutch and he was like, what are you saying to me? He Literally. came in and dropped a bunch of bullshit. I think uh, yeah, he might end up being a real prick. Let's see. I think they're overvaluing all the European players, so that makes me question things. All right, Jared's racist. Got to the bottom of that. Anyway. God bless. First place forever. Rise together. See you in hell, 2019. Oh.